is just good. You know, I, I used to say this Sunday after Sunday, but I want to say this today. I used to ask you, what's today? Sunday. And then I would say, yes, it's Sunday, but it's also what? Thanksgiving. But today, the Lord has just dropped in my heart and dropped in my spirit. Today is going to be a day of breakthroughs. Before we leave today, there are going to be some breakthroughs. We cannot continue to go on business as usual and not, and God forgive me for not giving you everything that God has given me and thinking, well, this isn't the right time. This isn't the right place. When the spirit of God is present, we must take advantage of what God wants to do in his people. And God forbid that I should be the one to hold back your blessing from you. So today is Breakthrough Sunday. Say today Today is Breakthrough breakthrough Sunday. Sunday. Whatever it is you want from God, he's going to deliver it to you on today. If you don't get it, hallelujah. If you don't get it, it will not be because it was not offered to you. We thank God for being here on today. We, we know our hearts are a little heavy because um, we lost Mother Doris Christine Parson. And she is just, a, she is a wonderful woman of God. Because I'm telling you, you know, when the news came out and we shared with our, our partners, you know, there were some tears. But guess what? If anything, mother's crying over us. Y'all still got to go to work. Y'all got to do taxes. You got to put up with your neighbors. Y'all going to be fighting, trying to get over to the Jubilee, standing in that traffic and all that mud. Mother's like, I'm with Jesus now. Y'all go ahead and do what you do. You know, we were all created. In God's image. And let me, let me back up. We're continuing in our, in our series, Breaking These Cycles. Breaking These Cycles. No more Groundhog Day. Y'all remember the movie Groundhog Day? Every day getting up and doing the same thing. And somebody's translation or interpretation, definition a few years ago, the definition of insanity is doing what? Doing the same thing over and over and over and over again, thinking we're going to somehow get the same results. You know you get up and you know how you like your coffee. You know how you like your cereal. You know which lane you're going to get in and wait till the last minute to cross over to the other lane. (laughs) But some cycles in our lives, we've got to break. We know that we are created in God's image. Y'all say this, four, Four, three, three, two, two. One, if you want to know why you were created, Isaiah chapter 43, verse 21, 4, 3, 2, 1, Isaiah 4, 3, 2, 1. If you want to know why you were created is because God said, I have created these people to praise me. And I'm loose, loosely saying that that's why you were created to praise God. The fact that you have a job and you've given birth and have children and all these other things are great. But God created you specifically for the reason to praise him. To praise God. But aside from this, what does it take to please God? It's one thing to praise God. What does it take to please God? We don't have to walk this walk long to figure out what God loves and what God hates. What God loves and what God hates. And there is no middle ground with God. Paul said in Romans chapter 6, verse 1, he said, Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. God forbid. At any given time, we know throughout this nation, if not around the world, there is a shortage at any given time of blood. Are you O positive? Are you A positive? Are you B negative? How many of you know your blood type? Everyone should know their own blood type. But in the kingdom of God, in the spirit realm, there is never a lack of blood. The blood still works. The blood still flows. But we should not be taking advantage of every time I do something wrong and every time I fall short of the glory of God, I'll just make a trip to the blood bank because the blood still works. No. And I, I, cannot, I cannot in good 
conscience say that God is tired of our sin? Because the Bible doesn't tell us that God is tired. But I can tell you, we disappoint God. And we hold back our own blessings. When we don't do the things that God has commanded us to do, and we do the things that God has commanded us not to do. And some things are written specifically within the Bible, and some things God has just dropped in your spirit saying, you need to stop that. Everybody else can get away with it, but you need to stop that. I have this thing that on Fridays, oh man, especially this time of the year where the pastor went, I'm not looking at you, especially this time of year where you know it's cool enough you can crack the windows, man, I like to go home, pop me a bag of popcorn, get me something cool to drink, and at 10 o'clock, Blue Bloods is coming on. But you know, the Lord has just has given me a, a, the opportunity, and, and a, I'll just say the opportunity of waking me up in the middle of the night saying, come on, it's time to pray. But when I eat late like that, it makes me groggy and sluggish, and then I don't want to get up. So for me, the Lord said, you know them snacks that you want to have late at night? He's saying, you got to cut that out. I don't care who else can do that. You cannot do that anymore. And I'm like, Lord, but popcorn, Friday night, and a cold ginger ale. The Lord's like, no. And that's for me. I don't know what you do, but there are things you know that God has told you to stop doing. But with our prayers, when we ask, when we fall short of the glory of God, when in our prayers, not only do we have to say, Lord, forgive us, he's like, I forgive you. But with the forgiveness has to come what? Repentance. It's not enough just to say, Lord, forgive us. I forgive you. But are you going to change? When the husband and wife and one of them crosses the line and it causes division in the marriage, it's like, I accept your apology, but are you going to change? Are you going to change? I love you. I love you. But are you going to change? Let's look at Isaiah chapter 1, verses 11 through 17. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. What makes you think, I want all of your sacrifices? And he's talking to the children of Israel. But we can still apply this to ourselves today. He says, I'm sick of your burnt offerings of rams and of fattened calves. I get no pleasure from the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to worship me, you ask who asked you to parade through the courts with all of your ceremony? Stop bringing me your meaningless gifts. The incense of your offerings disgusts me. As for your celebrations of the new moons and the Sabbath and your special days of fasting, they are sinful and false. I want no more of your pious blessings or meetings. Excuse me. I hate your new moon celebrations and your annual festivals. They are a burden to me. I cannot stand them. When you lift up your hands in prayer, I will not look. Though you offer many prayers, I will not listen. For your hands are covered with the blood of innocent victims. Now, I said earlier that God does not get tired. And here he says, I'm tired. But remember, we live under grace. But shall we continue in sin? God forbid. Now, in all of this, and, I, and I, it's, it's hard to fathom that God who loves us and, and gave his only, not the firstborn, after he's given them this thorough tongue lashing, he says, wash your hands and be clean. Get up, excuse me, get your sins out of my sight. Give up your evil ways. And in verse 17, now he gives them some direction. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Help the oppressed. Defend the cause of orphans. Fight for the rights of widows. I learned a long time ago, people are like, you should never spank your children. Don't ever touch your children. You're teaching them violence. And someone taught me something years and years ago. First of all, you take your children, and people will disagree with this, but I found it works. First of all, never force your children to lie. 
You put a can of, like Bill Cosby say, this is my Coke and this is my sandwich. Don't touch it. And the kid comes back. It's like, why did you eat my sandwich? Because um, you, you, you wanted me to. And it's like, don't force your kids to lie. You tell them what they did wrong. You choose the punishment. And then you hug them and say, I love you. I love you. I don't want you to do this again. So if you're going to chastise them, make sure we give them love and affection that I'll always love you no matter what happens. So he's telling them, you know, let these evil ways go. When Isaiah says all of this, God is, God is just saying, I don't want your ceremonies. I want your heart. Because if you give me your heart first, the ceremonies don't matter. You know, it, it, okay. The psalmist says, blessed is the man that walks not in the way of the ungodly, nor the way of the sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he does what? Come on, y'all. Meditates on it day and night. And it goes on to say that whatsoever I do and put my hands to do, it will what? Prosper. I have gotten to the point. I'm so sick and tired of my neighbor who starts his Harley up. Five o'clock in the morning. Boom, boom. I, I hear you. So I found out how to fix that. All I got to do is go over there and cut a few wires and that. But guess what? Whatever I put my hands to do, it's going to prosper. I've made it good for the whole neighborhood because my other neighbors, they just don't want to do what I want to do. So it's not whatever I choose to do. Because when we have the mind of Christ, I don't want to do those other things. I don't want to do those other things. Whatever your convictions are, whatever God has laid on your heart. So I'm not going to say, well, I can just do whatever I want because whatever I do, God's hand says it will prosper. No. In accordance with God's will and his word. And as the spirit leads me. You want to go out and help the orphans? You want to stand in the way and be that intercessor for the widows? God's saying, I'm going to bless you. He says it here. He says it in James chapter 1. I believe it's verse 26. So it's those kind of things God's saying, whatever you put your hands to do are going to prosper. God is not pleased with everything we do. It can never be assumed that just because we are Christians, we have a free pass. A free pass, a blank check. Because guess what? There are people out there who have never picked up a Bible since they went through Sunday school in the first grade. But they can tell you. You're doing wrong, and they are totally right. Let your light shine. Don't let your darkness shine. Let your light shine before men that they will see your good works. Daddy doesn't always think you're so cute. <laughs> Pastor Wendy and I had the privilege of, of raising some beautiful godchildren. You all seen Jaden. He, he texts us and tells us he wants to come to church. He is an awesome, awesome, awesome young man. But, you know, it, it, it's, it's so cute. You know, people like the terrible twos. No, those are terrific twos. If they're terrible, then it's not them. It's you. It's us. What are you teaching them? What are you allowing them to get away with? Because they're only going to go as far as you let them. But, you know, it, it's just so cute how you, you watch him laying there. You're like, well, what am I supposed to do with you? You know, like five months old. You know, what am I supposed to do with you? Because, you know, pick you up and put you down and pick you up and put you down. It's like, but they're so cute, aren't they? And then they like, yeah. And then they, they wiggle and all of that. And all of a sudden they let out a burp. And then the bubbles start coming out of their mouth. And they're like, oh, you're so cute. But try that when you're 27 years old. The things that we did when we were babes in Christ, they were, they were okay. 
I remember a guy told me, he said, man, I was so thirsty one time. He said, and I just stood next to a Coke machine. He's like, man, I sure want a Coke. And I kid you not, a Coke fell out that machine. And there was a water fountain on the other side. (laughs) The Lord could have told him, go over and get you a drink of water. But he said, Lord, I want a Coke. And a Coke just, boom, fell out the machine. And God's like, you know, I'm, I'm just showing off to you to show you that I'm really God. The one that you felt when you asked me to come in your heart. I'm, re- I'm for real. But just like you used to be able to get up and, and throw the covers back and then grab a ball and run outside and play. No, uh-uh. God's like, no, you need to clean up your room. You need to put them clothes away. And I know, because I want to say God knows. God's saying, I know that you ain't washed. So the things that we used to do as babes in Christ, God's saying, no, uh uh-uh, you're past that. You're past that. Hebrews at the end of chapter 5 is saying at a time that we should be eating meat, we're still drinking milk. At a time that you should be sitting there with a steak and some chicken. You don't don't even need no vegetables. You got it seared just right and the right seasonings on it. A little bit of pink, a little bit of dark, however you like to cook it. But you can't even digest it. You're choking on it. You are choking on this meat because you have trained your throat and your system that I can only drink milk. So I can't even, I can't even, I can't even feed you food. In fact, you've gotten to the point that everything I give you has to be intravenous. I got to put an IV in your arm and I've got to feed you while you ain't even looking, while you ain't even thinking about me. Because you don't even want to eat the meat that I have for you. We're talking about these cycles of sacrifices. So what can I give? Point number one. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 66. What can I give? What does God want from me? Verse 2, he says, my hands have made both heaven and earth. They are, they and everything in them are mine. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will bless those who have humble and contrite hearts, who tremble at my word. Humble and contrite hearts. Hearts that are broken and saying, Lord, I need you now. Well, you just got paid. You just got married. You just had a baby. You just had a promotion. You just bought a new car. You just bought a new house. But guess what? They mean nothing if I don't have Jesus. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and to lose his soul? God's saying, I want those, he says, who have a a humble and contrite heart and tremble at my word. But those who choose their own ways, delighting in their own detestable sins, will not, will not have their offerings accepted. When such people sacrifice a bull, it is not acceptable. Uh, It is no more acceptable than a human sacrifice. When they sacrifice a lamb, it is as though they sacrificed a dog. When they bring an offering of grain, they might as well offer blood from a pig. And you know they didn't offer pigs. When they burn frankincense, it is as if they had blessed an idol. If we don't have the right heart, God's like, don't offer me anything. If you can't give me your heart, your broken and contrite heart, don't bring me anything. I don't want it. I don't want it. Well, you got home late today. Yeah, I had some business at the office. Yeah, you sure did have business at the office. What's her name? And God's saying, don't give me no sloppy seconds. I want you first. I gave, I put you first. You need to learn to put me first. How many of us, without showing your hands, how many of us, the Lord is the first thing on your mind in the morning? And and there's the first one, disobedience. (laughs) So let's all put our hands up. (laughs) Go ahead, go ahead, mother. Go ahead, put your hand up. 
Is God the first thing on your mind? Now, I know like Joyce Meyer says, I lay in bed for 30 minutes and I just meditate on how good God is. Well, if I lay there 30 minutes, I ain't going to work. (laughs) I'm going to be late because I'm going to get tired. I'm going to go back to sleep. But God should be first. God has to be first. When we turn into tithe, Malachi says, return to tithe. We don't give tithe. We don't offer tithe. Excuse me. Malachi says, return the tithe unto God. Read it. It says, return. How many of you have something in your house right now that belongs to somebody else? Anybody borrowed something that belongs to somebody else? So is it yours just because you've kept it for so long? No. At some point, you know, in good conscience, you need to return it. And we don't want to return what God, what belongs to God. We think we're giving him something. God's like, you're not giving me anything. You're returning to me what belongs to me. I'm giving you 90%. You tell me an investment company, an organization anywhere in the world that's going to give you, guarantee you, 90% return. A 90% return. And that's on what I've already given you. Plus, it's good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. Nobody, Charles Swab, any other organization is going to give you that type of return. So is it just our money? How many of us give God 10% of our time every day? Do we give God 10% of our prayer time? And you want to know what 10% looks like? Try two hours and 40 minutes. Two hours and 40 minutes a day is 10%. 24 hours, two hours and 40 minutes. And And I've had to learn, I've had to learn that it's not just, oh, this is my daily devotion. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. That's good. Okay. I'm done and go to work. Okay. Well, if you want to count that against your two hours and 40 minutes, then now you've got two hours and 35 minutes left. So what about your prayer time? What about where Timothy said, or Paul says in Timothy, study to show thyself approved. He didn't say read. He said, study to show yourself approved. If you want to put a scripture up in your bathroom or on your mirror while you're doing your makeup and you're reading that scripture, good. Meditate on his word day and night. Have those scriptures. But at some point, you've got to be able to answer, well, what does that scripture mean? Let me get back with you on now. Excuse me. And people at work are like, what they got holding their finger up for? <laughs> you just ask them a question. And we got a tip. But there's going to come a day and a time when someone, and, and, and let me put it this way. And it's, it's been said, if you haven't had a head-on collision with the devil lately, then guess what? You're probably going in the same direction. So if we're not, if we're not challenging ourselves and allowing the Spirit of God to challenge us, then, yeah, you'll, you'll never have to give an account for these words. But as God works in us, he's going to say, you've got to know this word. You've got to know my word. Our time with God has to be personal, individual, and intimate. Personal, individual, and intimate. This is a beautiful, a beautiful time for us to get together. Faith comes by hearing because right now, Not because of me, not because of me, not because of me, but because the way God's law and his word and his spirit works. Right now, your faith is at an all-time high. Because guess what? Faith comes by hearing, not by what you heard. Because right now, there's a part of your spirit that says, come on, man, when we get home, we're not going to watch TV. We're going to open up the word. We're going to study what we learned last week. We're going to get ready for Bible study, and we're going to do this, and... Man, I forgot to take that meat out of the freezer. And then we, we pan away from it. 
But while you're hearing the word, your faith is saying, man, come on, let's go. We can do this thing. We can do this thing. Faith comes by hearing. And that's why we have to continue to hear the word of God. If you want to keep listening to this all week, fine. If you want to listen to Joyce Meyer, you want to listen to T.D. Jake, Stephen Furtick. I mean, there's Robert Morris, Charles Stanley. If you want to listen to any of those, we need to learn to listen to those. That's when your faith is built up. Find books and other literature to read. I'm, I, I need to work on that myself. Open Altar Worship Center app. Don't forget to go back to the app. But learn to stay in the word. You know, and, and I, I mean, technology is a great thing. And I've learned that when I go to work, it's like 30 minutes to get there and 30 minutes to get home. One of those ways, I'm listening to somebody preaching. Either going to work or coming home. It's like, Lord, can I have one or the other to listen to music? He's like, yeah, you can have one or the other. But if I'm going to be in the car at least 20 to 30 minutes, I find somebody's message I can listen to. Faith comes by hearing. 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 Not heard. Hearing. Smith Smith Wigglesworth made this statement. I don't often spend more than a half hour in prayer. How many of us can say that? But I never go more than a half hour without praying. I never pray more, usually more than a half hour, but I never go more than a half hour without praying. And I was working a day and, you know, they were looking out for me and say, hey, you can flag traffic today. Instead of having to go up and work on the lines, they say, you can flag traffic. So I'm sitting there with my sign. All right, y'all can go. All right, y'all got to stop. All right, y'all stop. Y'all can go. Y'all can stop. Y'all can go. Okay. No, you stop. Then what? What is? Who got the sign? <laughs> But that was just an opportunity, the perfect opportunity for me to meditate on the word and to pray. It's like, can we go? Uh-uh. Lord Jesus, thank you. For, hold on, y'all. Hold on, Jesus. I'm waiting on you just like they're waiting on me. I'm waiting. On, no, you don't have to get down on your knees. You don't have to close your eyes. I, I led a man. I was living in Texas. I led a man to the Lord. I was like. And the Lord, I mean, oh, God, God was just working in my life so much then. And I just had that energy, you know, and when you first get saved. And I was driving with this guy down this road. And uh, he's like, yeah, he's like, I really do need to dedicate my life to the Lord. I was like, I'll say, I said, well, let's pray. Because when we got to where we're going, I had to leave. I had to go somewhere else. He had to go somewhere else. So I said, let's pray. I said, Lord Jesus. And I felt the truck. I was like, oh, open your eyes, man. <laughs> <laughs> he was driving and closed his eyes. <laughs> <I was> like, <clears throat> we're going we're gonna to watch and pray. <laughs> so you don't, have to, you don't have to stop everything you're doing to spend time with God. You don't have to stop. Because we have this mindset and it's sad. Oh, keep talking. I'm listening. Like, what do you mean you're listening? I can multitask. Keep talking. But when it comes to God, it's like, we don't want to multitask with God. Well, Lord, well, I'll get to you when I get done. I'll get to you when I get done. We won't meditate on God and do what we're doing. We, we feel like, well, God, I'm going to give you your own time. All right, well, give me your own time. When's that going to be? Because I'm waiting. Number two, give him what he wants. Give God what he wants. As we know the story where David slept with Bathsheba. Then went so far to have her husband Uriah killed. And this is what the 51st Psalm is all about. In verse 16. You do not desire sacrifice or I will offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. Verse 17. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. The same as Isaiah said. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. We're talking about these these cycles of sacrifices. And God's not saying, do your dirt and I'll be here when you get done. God's saying, you come to me and don't worry about the dirt. You don't want to go out and play in the mud. 
You know when you get them good shoes on or whatever, and you got a flat tire, you call AAA. It's like, just drive to the gas station and put some, put some air in the tire. It's like, no, nah, man, then I'm going to have to scuff up my shoes. Put in air. I'm going to call AAA and let them put air in the tire. We don't want to get dirty when we're clean. You know when you're dressed and you're feeling good. I don't care if it's a pair of jeans and some tennis shoes. You're like, I look good because I feel good. I feel good because I look good. And you don't want to get dirty. And when we get in the presence of God, you're like, I look good and I feel good. I don't want to get dirty. When we flow in the anointing of God, you don't want to get dirty. We just celebrated Mother's Day last week, didn't we? Hallelujah. Let's give it up for the mothers. Did you know having children is hereditary? Because if your parents don't have children, chances are you won't either. <laughs> if you're <laughs> all right, Pastor Wendy got it, y'all. We, we can move on. <laughs> Okay, y'all, come on. We're in church. <laughs> the mothers got dinner. They got flowers, shoes. Some of them, although they didn't like it, they had to wait in long lines because they wanted to take them out to eat. Got gift cards to get foot massages and full this and, you know, all these great things. And on June 16th, we celebrated Mother's Day. Father's Day, we will acknowledge Father's Day. Hey, Mom, what does Dad want? Oh, he needs some flashlights for his battery. I mean, some battery for his flashlight. You know he loves that flashlight. He's had it for like seven years now. Get him some, get him some batteries. That'll make Dad happy. No, 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 I got it. Let's get him a Chuck E. Cheese platinum card with no blackout dates. <laughs> and that's how we do God sometimes. If you don't think we shortchange God, we do it every single Sunday. Because it'll be, and, and there's no, 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 no strike against you guys. But I just say this because of all the churches I've been in all my life. Let's give it up for the pastors. It comes to bring forth the word. Let's give it up for the praise team. They're going to render us. Hey, and we clap and we applaud. And it's like, woo Then the speaker gets up. And someone takes a moment and says, we want to acknowledge, first of all, the spirit of God that's here on the day. We, we want to give it up for the choir. Every good and perfect gift comes from where? Above. They couldn't sing unless God gave them the voices. God bless you, Gabe. God gave you that voice. And you have taken it. You have worked it. You have massaged it. You have exercised it. You didn't let go stagnant. But not to give that back to God and not to acknowledge God, the one that gave it to you. Give him what he wants. Give him what he wants. So let's not cheat the dads. <clears throat> let's not cheat the dads. And I'll be honest with you, I like flowers. If you're going to give me flowers, then add a little water to it with some seasoning and turn that flour into biscuits, all right? I like them kind of. Focus, y'all, we're in church. Give God what he wants. So let's, let's look at it like this. Next slide. Let's not be a catch-up Christian. Let's not be catch-up Christians, giving God something after the fact. Number three, you want to please God? Get next to God. Get next to God. John chapter 10, verse 1. Again, the New Living Translation. I hope I'm helping somebody. I hope the Spirit of God is helping somebody on the day. I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of the sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. 
If you don't go in through the gate that God has provided you, any other means, you're a thief and a robber. And I've used this example before. My TV's getting ready to go out. Gabe, can you loan me $10? Lashina, hook, hook a brother up. Tom, I know you just got your allowance. I know you just opened your business. <laughs> and you need some tax write-offs. So I go to everyone in here, and I borrow money. Now I can go and get my TV. Is that how God wants to do it? Trust in the Lord with all majority of your heart. Give him at least the majority. Because all it takes is 51% to be the majority. In all your ways, acknowledge him. So guess what? God's going to say, and I'm not telling everybody, go buy TV today. But when God says, yes, it's time for you to get that new TV. That one's got the lines and the bars and the sound don't work and all that. God's going to put that TV on sale. Or someone's going to tell you, oh, we've got a demo in the back. It's just, it ain't been, you know, it's just, it's out the crate. We've got to put it back in the box or it may not be a box or whatever. But God will open the door. I went to, the last time I bought a TV, it was in the, I bought it in the, and I can't say where because I don't want to get anybody in trouble. It, you don't walk in Best Buy and negotiate the price. I didn't go to Best Buy, I went to another place. And you know this guy just, Pastor Wynn's like, well before you buy the TV I want to see it. I was like, okay. And she showed up and the guy came back out and he's like, he's like, I'm going to knock $50 off for you. And I'm like, what? I'm not negotiating the price. But just, just standing there, he says, I'm going to knock $50 off the price. Thank you. So if you want to get next to God, and I'll say it like this. If you want to get into Jesus, let Jesus get in you. And I got ahead of myself. Get into Jesus, and Jesus is going to get you in. Let me use this as an example. How many times have you heard this story? And it's not, not me. You can go back to the... To the um, this person is, is habitually late at work, and they're this close to being fired. And the boss says, the next time you show up late, just come in long enough to pack your things and leave. So what? The next morning, they're running late. They know what they call is automatic admission to guilt. So they're driving along thinking, I didn't need this coffee, but I stopped and got me some coffee. I was going to be late anyway. I might as well be full and late. <laughs> and so they pull up in the parking lot and wonder, why is everybody standing outside? Are they making that big of a deal of me being late every day? Have they already packed my things and ready to kick me out the door? No, it's a fire drill. So they get out of their car and walk over to the crowd like, yeah, man, what's going on? Yeah, all right. And when the fire drill is over, they walk in the building as if they were there the whole time. We think that we can just sneak in. We think we can somehow just sneak in with God. And God's saying, if you don't come in through the gate that I provide, you're a thief and a robber. Don't just blend into the crowd and think, because guess what? The very hairs of your head are numbered. If I, can, if I know which hair is number 372, I know that you're the one that you were late for work. I know everything it is you're doing. I even know the thoughts of your, of your heart afar off. People try to get into establishments. They walk up to the bouncer or they walk up to the concierge. Didn't know I know French. <clears throat> and they're like, uh, so can I get in? They're saying, no, you can't. Well, come on, let me get in. No, you, you can't get in. All right. What's it going to take for me to be able to get in? So we pull out our wallets and we start showing them a little bit of cash. And they're like, well, what's it worth to you? 
So you begin to negotiate with this individual about how you want to get in. So what you're asking them to do is to lower their standards because they've been given directives and rules. We're asking that person to lower their standards so that you can gain something that you did not deserve. A hundred dollars, is that worth your integrity? It may pay a bill. It may bring a, a momentary satisfaction or gratification. But think of what you have done to yourself, your own morals. Why didn't you just make a reservation? Why didn't you go through the training that you needed to go through to get to where you want to? We're always looking for that hookup. Favor. I'm believing the favor of God. No, you didn't. This, the concert is sold out. You didn't buy a ticket. I'm just believing God. Well, guess what? It's a gospel concert. Everybody's believing God. <laughs> but we do the same thing with God. Lord, what's it going to take for me to get this blessing? Come on, God, you know. I tell you what, I'm going to make both services today. <laughs> And you know that $50 offering? I'm going to break it up and get 25 and 25. <laughs> I'm going to give twice, Lord. Not just once. I'm going to give twice. And we think we can continue to bribe God and, and expect God to look the other way. God's like, no. Again, I say, if, get into Jesus and Jesus will get you in. So having said that, some of us would rather, what? Some would rather, what? Let's read together. Now, I don't understand why our servers and restaurants don't make the money we think they should make. And so we just look for things. And we got this checklist in our mind of everything. It's like, yeah, I was going to give you $20. But you only gave me three napkins, check. <laughs> You're down to 17. You let my glass get down below halfway. You're down to $14.37. You didn't stop by to ask me, how are you all doing today? You're down to $9.07. And we just start looking for ways. Instead of praising them for the work that they're doing. I've never waited tables before. I've worked in restaurants. And I've never waited tables. I can only imagine what people have to go through. But we'd rather bribe somebody to get something. Than to praise somebody who's already doing something. My last point is this. We're talking about sacrifice. The cycles of sacrifices thinking that we can bless God on the back end. We want those, you know, like movie stars and athletes get those honorary degrees. Never set foot on a campus before and they're like, yeah, we're going to give you this honorary degree. And we want that honorary salvation. Well, Lord, you know, I bake cookies for the people at the home. I keep doggy treats in my purse. If I see a stray dog, I feed him. I let people in in traffic. And you know, when I go, when I go to the grocery store, if, if I see little children, I, I buy them sweets and all that. But you haven't spoken to your brother in two years. Now you want to bring me a sacrifice? No. Nah. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. And I'm almost done. It was the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, not an altar. We long to get to the altar. That's where we want to be. It's at the altar. But our God sits on a throne. He sits on a throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple. The train is symbolic of power and majesty. And think about it. The train is a sign of beauty. Think about it. When a woman gets married in her train, 
just fills the aisle. And it's just a thing of just beauty. Verse 2. Verse 2. It's not up there? Okay. Okay. Attending him were six seraphim. Now seraphim are angels. Each of them had six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they flew. Two wings, they covered their faces. Why? Because the power and the majesty and the glory of God, they can't look upon God. They've never been to earth. They've only lived in this holy presence of God from their very existence. They have not sinned. But yet the God who created them is so holy, they can't even look at him. Two, they cover their feet because the feet are a place of humility. It's like, Lord, I can't even allow you to see my feet. In places where people don't have shoes, what's the first place that gets dirty? It's their feet. But yet these are angelic beings. And with two, they continue to fly. And they call out who? To God? To each other. They are in such reverence of God. They can't say, Lord, you are holy, holy, holy. They speaking in third person. The God that is before us is holy, holy, holy. The Lord of heaven's armies, the whole earth is filled with his glory. They're speaking in third person. How awesome, how powerful is God? And then verse 4, it says, Their voices shook the temple foundations, the very foundations. We are on a cement slab. There's nothing underneath us other than the dirt below that. This is a solid foundation. But the foundations of heaven were shook at the voices of the angels, not God's voice. The angels say, holy, holy, holy. And the foundations shake. And the entire building was filled with smoke. The King James Version says that even the post on the door began to shake. In the event of a tornado, and we we had a scare a few weeks ago. In the event of a tornado, they tell you to find a low-lying place, a ditch, or a culvert where the drains, where the water drains on the side of the road. Or a bathtub if you're in a house. Or an inside room that doesn't connect to an outside wall. In the event of a, of a flood, you get a flash flood warning or a tsunami. They'll tell you to find higher ground. In the event of an earthquake, they will tell you to find the frame of a door. It is the strongest part of any building aside from the foundation. Even the post on the door began to shake. And the foundations at the voice of these angels. And yet we go about our daily business thinking everything we do is okay. And God's saying it's not. Are we ready to be in the real presence of God? We're not honoring God when we think about how holy he really is. So holy that even when Moses said, Lord, I want to see you. And God's like, you can't see me and live. I'm telling you that up front. But we want to offer God these sacrifices. And God's like, I don't want your sacrifices. If you want to bring me a sacrifice, bring me a sacrifice of praise. Bring me a broken and humble heart, a contrite heart, and a humble spirit. Let's, let's put God first in everything we do. And I'll say this, don't play with the power. 
Don't play with the power. When God tells us to do something, we need to do it. But Lord, I'm going to look stupid. Well, you're going to look like a fool when my son comes back for you and you're not ready. So if you want to hang with your friends, go hang with your friends. But when we stand before the throne of God, it's not a matter of they made me or we decided. God is going to judge us individually. And it's Tiffany's response. It's Paul's response. Of the things that you did in your body. The actions we took. The thoughts we thought. Well Lord you know how I was brought up. I don't care how you were brought up. If any man be in Christ. He's a new creature. And if you're struggling in a certain area of life. Then you need to talk to somebody. Professionally. Personally. Someone that you can give an account to. Stop holding things in. Stop thinking that I can do this because I'm a child of God. And the Lord's saying no. How many of you want to stop and break these these cycles of sacrifices? Today is breakthrough. Today is a breakthrough. If you want your breakthrough on today... You're going to get it. You're going to get your breakthrough on today. I want to thank God for everyone who's been watching us on social media. God has already done what you've asked him to do. Even though the scripture is pertaining to salvation, it says, when we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in our our heart that God has raised him from the dead, it says you will be saved. That same principle applies that when we ask in faith that God has already done it. Well, well, where's the manifestation? The Bible tells us, and the peace of God that passes our understanding. Lord, I don't see it. But the peace of God is that confirmation number, that knowing that your deliverance, that your desire, your healing is on its way. So when you call the company and wonder, well, where's my package? Here is my confirmation. The Lord saying, my peace is your confirmation. So your breakthrough has come today. When you ask in faith, 